this is the audit and compliance committee meeting of Thursday, September 12th. And could we start with a roll call? Trustee Peterson. Here. Trustee Shequin. Here. We have a quorum. Okay. And uh, then uh, do we have any public speakers? We do not. We do not. Okay. So uh, uh, I make a, uh, do you want to make a recommendation on the motion to approve or uh, the previous meeting? Yeah, certainly. I would move that we approve the minutes from uh, June 13th. I, I will second that. <laughs> I guess we're all in favor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh, I think our, our first uh, agenda item was a uh, closed session, but my understanding is we're not ready for that at this time. Is that right, Rick? Right. Okay. So we'll... Uh, I do not have an evaluation to uh, share with you yet. Okay. Well, we'll look forward to it for our next meeting. We'll put it on there. Okay. okay. It's curious that it's taking so long to do his evaluation. A pro problem in place. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Let's start a rumor. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, let's move to item uh, B, which is a report and discussion on the internal audit and compliance reporting summary. Okay, uh, so I had a couple of uh, reports to talk about today. Uh, the first one is radiology authorizations. And we did this audit because we've had several issues uh, involving radiology where uh, a doctor would order a certain x-ray, the radiologist tech would get the order and look at the diagnosis and look at the patient and say, uh, no, what he really meant was it's the left yeah. arm, not the right arm. Or yeah. So yeah. we're required to get authorizations for a lot of these procedures. And because the radiologist uh, changed the procedure, the claim was denied mm -hmm. because it wasn't authorized for that procedure. Uh, so we were there was some corrective action done at the time and we were going back in to validate that things were working properly and that we didn't have these issues anymore. Uh, so we were really looking at uh, that, that the radiologists reviewed the orders for reasonableness prior to the authorization uh, that the orders weren't changed without giving that feedback to the doctor and making sure that they uh, agreed with the change and then we re-authorized uh, the services and you know basically that only authorized services were being performed so mm -hmm. you had to do it based on the doctor's orders. Hello. I do and so based on our review we said it's all good. <coughs> We did not find any instances where orders had been changed. The process was working as it was supposed to be implemented. And uh, we did not have any recommendations to make as a result of that. That's great. great. Two thumbs up. So, yeah, we uh, need one of those every so often. Every once in a while, you've got to have a, a report that says everything's fine. <laughs> okay, the next audit was mm -hmm. the PIXIS review. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we have 80 Pixis machines uh, around the medical center, and the Pixis machines are basically used to control uh, 
the access to drugs and to do an auto charge every time you pull something out. Okay, and so basically the process is that uh, based upon a doctor's orders, a nurse will go over to the Pixis machine, she'll punch in the patient account number, it'll pop open a drawer, and you take out the number of uh, medicines that were ordered. Okay? Uh, but you can take out more, and the machine doesn't know until somebody comes in to do the restocking and uh, does a count and says, well, there's supposed to be ten in here and there's only five. What happened? Okay, so it's supposed to control it. It doesn't really do it that well. Uh, we were really looking at the system to make sure we were managing the access to Pixis, that uh, we were dispensing controlled substances through Pixis, uh, that any discrepancies were investigated and resolved, and that charges from the Pixis machine actually uploaded to Sorian and got billed. So the results of our review was that the first thing we found was that there was a two-week period that didn't upload from Pixis to Sorian Financials for billing. And this was uh, 42,000 drug charges for approximately six million dollars. So this was, was pretty big, and it had been identified by pharmacy and reported, but no action was taken. So when we started the audit and we noticed this, uh, we went in and <clears throat> we looked at uh, transactions before and after. We didn't find other examples of missing charges like this. Okay. Uh, but. We also were told that it was too late to figure out what happened because we waited so long to do the investigation. Mm -hmm. So that was that was a problem, but we did get all the 42,000 uh, items re-loaded uh, to Sorian, and so a lot of those got charged out. Some of them would be rolled into an inpatient stay, and it's part of your DRG payment, so there's uh, no monetary impact. but Others actually got billed out uh, on outpatient claims, and so we did recoup some money. But we didn't think it was worth our time to go back and find out exactly how much, as long as we knew that we got them all billed. So the other issue that we found was what I was talking about before. You punch in the number, you're supposed to take two items, and you took more because you knew you were going to need them for somebody later on, and it's a, a workflow thing within the nursing stations. Uh, it's time consuming to go over and punch in the account number and count out your drugs, then go back to see the patient. So they would kind of stockpile things. And we went through and, and looked at the reports and <clears throat> we estimated that it was approximately a million dollars a year in gross charges that we were missing because of this practice. Yeah. I guess there, there's also the issue that staff could be, you know, misusing. I was going to say, isn't there a yeah. serious? So this was this uh, was on the non-controlled substances. The controlled substances yeah. was 
was pretty clean. Okay. Uh, they Got they it. keep track of this, but on non-controlled, uh, a million dollars. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So, like I said, we uh, we set up a process so that we could reconcile the charges routinely. We don't wait over 30 days so that uh, it's too late to investigate. Uh, this problem will be resolved with uh, EPIC, may be replaced with other things, but mm -hmm. uh, for right now, we're, we're feeling comfortable that we're getting the charges moved from the pharmacy system to the uh, billing system. So EPIC will be a complete replacement of Sorium? Yes. In this area? Okay. And the yeah. other problems that you refer to are mm -hmm. what we don't know yet. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and when uh, you were giving the example of some someone might need more medication, so they took out more than they needed, so that they could save it for, for another client or whatever. Yes. I, I assume that doesn't happen with controlled substances, right? It they, does not happen yeah. with controlled substances. You can only take out the number that you that. request, yeah. and then it, it's automatically billed. Uh, Yeah, lost my train of thought there. It was something I'm sorry. interesting. <laughs> so we we do have it set up to, to do the charges. Oh, what I was going to say is that the pharmacy module is part of the EPIC system, uh, so you don't have all the interface issues that we've had over the past uh, few years. Uh, all these systems talk to each other. Right. Uh, so, so for example, does that... Does Epic potentially resolve the two-week upload problem? There should not be a problem like that because okay. it's an automatic interface every day. Uh, it's part of the. It's it's a module of Epic instead of a separate system yeah. that has an interface uh, issue. Okay. So so uh, it it first came to light on the pharmaceuticals by the pharmacy pharmacist. The pharmacy identified that. Yeah. They were missing some charges, uh, but for some reason it didn't get escalated and didn't get worked. Got it. And so that's when we stepped in and said, okay, let's make sure that this gets worked. Let's get all the drugs identified. Let's get them rebuilt. So where does that get escalated? Who does uh, that go to? What, uh, well, it area? should go up through uh, IT and revenue cycle management, mm -hmm. uh, and then they prioritize the work and make sure that something happens, but uh, it just seemed to uh, get waylaid over there. But uh, now they know that they can come to us and we'll make sure that it gets worked. Okay? Okay. Uh, so the next issue, discrepancy for the non-controls, uh, like I said, there's about a million dollars annualized. Uh, so we've asked them to re-educate staff uh, on the requirement because there's also some patient safety issues here. If you're taking out drugs from Pixis and you're not charging them to the patient, we don't know that they've necessarily even been ordered for the patient and you, there's no documentation of the administration. So the medical records could be uh, in error. So there's there's a lot of other uh, issues just besides the financial issue sure. here. I saw this. I, I just so is Pixis that will remain in place? That's a pharmaceutical interface for the medication. 
So that will remain once we go Sapphire Live. Yeah, I think we upgraded the Pixis models uh, to a different one, but okay. it's still basically a Pixis dispensing machine. So it just, I, when I read this report last night, it seemed to me, um, I wondered if we're using it at its full capacity. So is there a way to shut someone out from even doing what they're doing around Yes, there's only uh, certain people that are authorized to access drugs out of the Pixis machine. Uh, so it's de it's role dependent. Okay. Uh, so we, we have security set up. Uh, nurses can access it. I think some of the doctors can access it, or at least in some areas, but uh, it's not everybody. And then from a pharmacy standpoint, you only have a few uh, pharmacy techs that are able to access it and there's logs kept for everything, uh, which is how they investigate uh, the discrepancies because they can go in and identify exactly which clinician accessed that okay. particular drawer and if there was only one person that did that drawer during the day when the drugs went missing, they would know. Right. The, the problem was uh, they weren't doing a very robust follow-up on uh, <clears throat> on those items, the discrepancies, it was basically, oh, we're missing five. Okay, why? Uh, because somebody, you know, took five, or somebody miscounted, or, you know, and, and that was pretty much it. Got it. Okay. So we, we needed to beef up that process a little bit and say, we can't have this, because that's missing charges, uh, that's potential revenue right. uh, and there's the patient also the safety issue, issues. Right. Yeah, yeah, of somebody receiving more medication than they should. Right. So just to understand your, sort of digging deeper on this, just to understand your process. So once you find that sort of managerial discrepancy, if I understand you right, you're sort of saying this is about how oversight's happening on the ground. How do you intervene with that? How do you make sure that supervisors understand the issue? So we look at the process. We look at uh, any uh, operating procedures. Uh, we talk to the people involved and do some interviews to find out uh, if they don't have documented processes, how they handle these kind of transactions, uh, and then we work with management to see what we can do to get it resolved and uh, make sure we come up with a uh, what we consider to be a sufficient action plan under the circumstances to address it. And then is there a testing of the stickiness of that process that you've just described? So is there coming back six months later to see if it's uh, actually it, functioning? Something like this, yes, we should do that. Uh, we don't have it planned at this point, but uh, and is that capacity? It, uh, partly. Okay. Uh, so we're, we're trying to do new audits, uh, thinking that once we go in and, and make recommendations and management takes action and we check to say, yes, we think they did what they said they were going to do, uh, without retesting the whole process, uh, we, we move on to see if there's other newer items that we need to be looking at yeah. uh, based on our risk assessment. But uh, a certain amount of follow-up is, is needed in areas like this uh, because I'd like to have that million dollars. 
Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. it's a system we could certainly use it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for bearing okay. with those questions. Uh, so, physician contracting audit. Uh, so, actually, the contracting department asked for this. Uh, they they want me to uh, do routine audits of the physician contracting, and uh, mostly is to make sure that those contracts are completed on a timely basis, that the contract is in place before the physician starts working and providing services, uh, and that all the contracts are stored and accurate and you know tick tied and traced. So I. I did a sample of 19 contracts, and while nothing was really uh, overwhelming with the results of that audit, uh, there were quite a few exceptions identified, and they're all minor, but uh, the contract database had a lot of errors in it. Uh, so 17 of the 19 contracts tested had some issue. And it might be that uh, it said the contract was for a million and six dollars when it was a million. Uh, or the contract started June 1 when it was July 1. Uh, the owner of the, of the policy of the contract was no longer with the organization and had been gone for some time. So it, Basically, they they needed to kind of go through and, and do some cleanup in the, the contracting area. And uh, what I identified during the audit was that in the past, they had a number of different contract administrators. Each contract administer, administrator loaded their own contract and completed the general data uh, that, that was really the, the contract database uh, infrastructure there and it and they were doing it inconsistently right. and so now they've hired somebody or designated somebody as the full-time uh, keeper of the database okay. and as he loads a new contract he goes through and makes sure that all the attachments are appropriate, that all the dates are there, that uh, all the information is accurate. So he's doing a cleaning as they go along, but they have a lot of contracts and he doesn't, uh, hasn't been able to catch up on the volume. So is there a system in place so uh, you can't get paid without a contract and, uh, you know, or if a contract's expired, it can't get paid until it's renewed? So, actually, the, the next item, uh -huh. well, I'll, talk, I'll address that in a minute, because okay. All right. contract holdovers. So six of the 19 contracts that I looked at were what we consider holdover contracts, which means the contract had expired. And so they continued uh, the employment of the doctor based on the old contract, uh, which is okay uh, from some aspects, but so they, as they long as like the scope of the work doesn't change yeah, yeah. and the terms of the contract don't change, mm -hmm. you keep, uh, it's kind of like a, having a, a lease agreement 
and going from an annual agreement to a monthly agreement after the end of the annual agreement, I mean, same terms, but uh, mm -hmm. contract expires. So some of these intentional, some of them not. And is that the literal language in the contract? It doesn't that say allows it to go to a to an extended period, if not amended. Or? No, it says certain period. Right. Okay. But and, and I think well, it's actually a no, construct. Here. Yeah. So, so well, well. So two things. So one full disclosure. You know, the uh, contract department actually falls under um, is a uh, uh, part of uh, you know my office. So you know, I am familiar with the things that Rick's talking about. So uh, you know, the whole you know concept, the holdover. You know, because the Stark Law requires that there be an agreement in writing before these services are provided. Basically, the holdover covers the situation, you know, where a contract has expired but services continue to be offered. And the law does make a provision that so long as the scope of the services remains the same and all other terms are handled the same, then that's where you get that concept from. To go to the question I think uh, Mr. Peterson was asking, which is you know, perhaps a more general um, question which applies to really more to non-physician contracting mm -hmm. in whether or not, you know, there is a rule which basically you know, precludes you know, a vendor being paid without a contract or uh, that has been an issue um, you know for the organizations dealing with you know over the course of time and I think probably about a year or so ago you know we went through and you know basically did a an internal review to identify contracts that had been expired that had not been renewed and we actually have put a new you know system in place and so you know if that occurs you know where an agreement has expired and was not renewed before it expires, then, you know, basically there's some steps that have to be followed, taking up through a member of the, uh, of the um, you know, executive team to approve renewing the contract and continuing on. And then we've also put in a fix with our um, accounts payable system, you know, so that they flag requests for payment that don't have an underlying contract you know, to them as well, too. So. We were getting those requests, you know, probably at the rate of five or six a month when we first started, and it has now dwindled, you know, quite a bit. And I would say it's, you know, about one, maybe two every couple of months that we're getting them now. So we are making some progress on that. So, so on on the uh, on the physician contracts, there there's <coughs> something in the contract itself that allows it to be extended on a month-to-month -month basis. Or? No, it's just you know basically the principle that as long as the services are being performed in consistent with what was under the earlier agreement, mm -hmm. you're authorized to pay them, continue that contract. But again, there was an effort uh, a little while back, or there has been an ongoing effort to identify those contracts that are in holdover and execute new agreements, you know, bringing rates up to date, things along those lines. So. Okay. Okay, so <clears throat> uh, man <coughs> management has agreed that, yeah, we have some problems with holdover contracts, and some of those are because you're at an impasse. Physician wants this much, we want to pay this much, fair market value, and all that stuff. So uh, <clears throat> they're working through that, and we expect to have all those, the, the six that I identified, and I think there was another four that uh, I hadn't sampled uh, that they're going to try to get cleaned up in the next uh, six, eight months. So just just one other question. Uh, so if, if it's a holdover contract, okay, and there's a decision made to 
increase or change the rate that the physician is paid, is it retroactive to the date of the holdover, or does it depend? No, it would be <coughs> that if if you subsequently come to an agreement and it's at a different rate, the uh, new rate would be effective with that new agreement. Got it. So you're not allowed to do, you know, retroactive payments or anything like that under the Stark Law. Thanks. Okay. Okay. Uh, so annual audit services. We've talked about this before. Uh, we're trying to get a three-year contract to cover the AHS financials, the single audit, AHP financials, <coughs> and the foundation. Okay, so I sent out uh, solicitation for bids to 11 different uh, CPA firms in the area. Uh, did a lot of research to see who actually did hospital audits and this was the list I came up with and uh, having mixed results so far uh, I think I've actually uh, heard from four of them that they were uh, eager to participate two of them have declined and have not heard from the other five and <clears throat> this is my basic timeline uh, and I will I'm hoping to have all the bids by the end of September, uh, get some people together to evaluate the bids uh, early October, uh, determine if we need to do any interviews or negotiations of these contracts, and, uh, and then talk to the committee with our recommendation uh, at the November 14th meeting. Can you remind me what the price point is on these services? Uh, so <clears throat> the four audits together uh, were totaled $254,000. Uh, and that shouldn't change that much. I'm hoping it doesn't change that much. Uh -oh. But we'll see. There was uh, quite a difference. <clears throat> Uh, the last time we did a bid uh, between the, the Moss Adams auditors and the other firm that bid. I see. So we'll just have to see uh, some of these, like uh, Deloitte, if they were to bid, I would imagine their bid would be uh, a lot higher than what we're currently paying. Mm -hmm. uh, but the AHP audit has been growing. Uh, the single audit should be the same every year or close to the same small increase uh, for cost of living adjustment or something. Mm -hmm. uh, foundation audit shouldn't change that much. Uh, so it's just a matter of with all the things going on here, do they want to charge more because they're going to have to look at multiple systems, they're going to have to look at Epic versus uh, our legacy systems. and get happy with the numbers coming out of both of them, it could change things. So this would be for the period, what, July 1st, 2019 to June 30th, 2020? Yes. Okay. For the okay. three years beginning. Yeah, that would be the first year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Okay, uh, other reports, uh, 2019, Audit plan complete, uh, 
2020 uh, plan on time. Uh, really no change in the compliance program assessment. Uh, I really can't move on the outstanding recommendations there uh, that require uh, changes in staffing or uh, budgeting uh, right now. Compliance issues were a little bit lower than uh, they have been for the last quarter, which was a good thing. Uh, but we're still seeing the same kind of trends. It's a lot of HR issues, especially lately. Uh, <clears throat> and then on the outstanding findings, we have 22 open issues uh, compared to the 25 last month or last quarter. And uh, 15 of those are HIPAA walkthrough assessments, which should be resolved with EPIC implementation. And uh, hopefully I'll have all those followed up by the next uh, meeting. Yeah, I noticed that the uh, badging in with uh, copy machines is a sticking point. Can you say a little bit more about that? Uh, so some of that... Yeah, you talk a lot about it. We, we really like... Uh, <laughs> personally, I don't like Wave ID, but from a privacy standpoint, it's a really good thing. Right. Uh, and I've seen a few things that I... Features I really like about it, because I can print a job at my office at SSC and I can come over here and I can walk up to a, a printer and I can print that yep. uh, by waving my ID at it. Is it just so we don't have the technology? And it wouldn't print before you got there. Right. right. No, it won't print until I wave my ID at it. Yeah. <laughs> you're not a person until your so, ID is recognized. So the problem with that was that some of our printers weren't compatible <coughs> with Wave ID, okay. but because of EPIC implementation, they were replacing those older printers, and then they would be able to accommodate Wave ID. So we had to wait till they uh, did see. the replacement. Uh, we also had some problems with the uh, privacy screens on the... Yeah, that was the other one, right? <laughs> so we, we were holding off because a lot of people had small monitors, and EPIC requires a big one uh -huh. so that you can see all of the fields. And so we didn't want people to go out and buy uh, privacy screens for these small monitors when they were going to be replaced in a couple of months. Gotcha. So as they replace them with, uh, for EPIC, get the screen and buy it one time. How much is a privacy screen? Uh, for the big monitors, it's a couple hundred bucks. Okay. Oh, wow. They're not cheap. Yeah, gotcha. But, but because they're primarily patient-facing areas, you've got to have something to cover it up because everybody walking by stops and goes, oh, that's not... <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's, those were the, the two main issues on uh, the HIPAA walkthrough assessments. So any question about anything else? I don't think I can do no, questions. Okay. Okay. So let's see. That brings us to written reports. Do we go uh, item C? I guess we so, just accept those, right? Right. And uh, then on D, we have the. So do we have to move to accept the reports? I guess. It's not an action item on. Okay. Nope. Okay. All right. Okay. 
Uh, uh, like they say in Epic, silence is acceptance. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you recommend that? Um, can we look at anything, Rick, in the next several meetings, in particular? I guess our imaginations aren't there yet. So I'm wondering if you what, what thought do you anything that we anything? should be as that's, committee. That's the audit committee. Yeah. yeah, taking a little yeah. deeper dive on something. Uh, no, I, I think we're we're going to be getting there shortly. Uh, hopefully, the audits that I've got coming up, uh, especially after the Epic implementation, I think uh, uh, one of the things on my plan for this year is to do what I'm calling validation audits. Uh, pick an area, pull a sample of, okay. of encounters, see how they're coded, see how they're billed, make sure that everything looks kosher. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's like I, I've said from the beginning, we had a lot of direction setting meetings, management went to these meetings, they talked about how they wanted things set up to accommodate our processes, and in some cases they were asking it to look like Sorian. Okay. And yeah. kept uh, uh, complaining that Sorian wasn't that good. Let's make sure that you've done some research, we're doing it right, not that we're doing it because that's the way they did it in Sorian. Uh, so I want to go through and look at, you know, here's the transactions, here's what it, they should look like. Now, what did they do? Right. And just make sure that we have the processes in place and, and that we had them programmed because a lot of these things were supposed to be taking the epic foundation system out of the box this is how it works this is uh, a tried and true workflow uh, right and hopefully our tweaks didn't disrupt that okay. so i'll be looking at a lot of those things and and giving feedback be, yeah it'd be good to hear about that what uh, what are you seeing about the implementation the is, new system. Yeah. Is there anything uh, that's keeping you up at night about right. where we are on things? There's been a lot of uh, hair on fire meetings lately with, <laughs> with Epic. It was like, uh -huh. sure. We need a decision on this quick. Uh -huh. uh, but I think that a lot of people are having to jump through hoops and, and we're making decisions that I think should have been made a while ago, but uh, I think we're going in the right direction. But and we'll know soon. In, in God we trust, <laughs> others we audit, so yeah, right. we're, we're going to keep looking at that stuff. Okay. I did have one more question. You had yeah. mentioned uh, in your last slide, uh, you commented that there were pieces of the compliance work, audit work that you weren't getting to. I, I, so I just want to clarify, is that, and there, there seemed to be a connection to staffing. So. If you could say more about that. Uh, outstanding findings, I don't, oh, no, you're talking about. Uh, the ability to uh, tick through your list there. Let me go back to that. Yeah, I, I think I missed the context. Yeah, that might be the easiest way. 
Right, so the third bullet. Okay. Uh, so there were a couple of items that were recommendations by CRG uh, that they wanted me to do certain things, like they wanted a compliance uh, person at each facility, uh, or they wanted uh, a complete external assessment of the compliance program every couple CRG. of years. Uh, compliance resource group. Uh, so we That's had in 2015 internal uh, external group. We actually external. had them come in and do an evaluation of the compliance Thank program to make That's, sure yeah. that we had set it up in a uh, best practices mm -hmm. type uh, environment that we were doing the right things. Got it. Uh, and so they went through, spent a couple of weeks uh, going through our whole program and they made 36 recommendations on uh, how to improve things. And so 30 of those things we've done, six of those we haven't, and the assessment is in your uh, package, so you could actually look at that and see what those items are that have not been done. But uh, in fact, I, yeah. I could tell you uh, yeah compliance staffing is thin and we should get more people <laughs> I, I can't do anything about that yeah. uh, but just get a sense of how many how many bodies are we short of what the recommendation is from this outside group? Uh, they did not make any recommendation on that. Not they uh, think specific. It, it's something that I've I shared my strategic plan uh, a few meetings ago. Uh, not strategic, my long-range plan, uh, because that was one of the recommendations in uh, this assessment was that I should have one, and so I. I put that together with the vision of what would be the ideal uh, compliance organization. Of course, that means that I would have about 40 people and uh, that <laughs> Delvecchia would report to me and I was... <laughs> Count me in the 40. <laughs> uh, and how many do you have now? I have uh, four in compliance and two in internal audit, so total okay. of six staff. You're being somewhat uh, tongue-in-cheek, but... It's a much bigger number than we currently have. So, what's your? Would that be fair to say? Uh, so, I think that ideally, it would be probably ten, but I think that that's probably overkill, and and that people would be spending so much time trying to correct compliance issues that they never get their day job done. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's a sort of a. It's threshold of return. Huh? It's something that that needs to be uh, addressed periodically. And uh, once Epic goes in and I start looking at uh, the break the glass function and and see how many investigations arise out of that, because uh, right now we don't know. We we have no idea. And going back and talking to Epic, they uh, have not been able to give me any. 
uh, guesstimate on what that number of, of uh, reports that we will have to look at will be. Uh, in some organizations, that's a full-time job, uh, but it just really depends on how we have things set up and how many people have to break the glass and and it might be that it becomes routine after a while it's like oh there's Joe again he's doing an audit okay check it off uh, but it's something that that we try to address annually yeah. okay. so so where you're you make the comments to be determined is basically you're evaluating it on a periodic basis the yes. recommendation okay. yeah and if and if okay uh, somehow the, the financial situation improves and I have more money in the mm -hmm. budget, then I either uh, invest in some kind of an assessment or I invest in additional staffing. Uh, it just, it's something that we have to, to do. Uh, it's time sensitive, you know. Yeah. What do I need at the moment? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I think it's our job, actually, to, to take responsibility for that question. And you get put in the middle because we're going to ask you to, to speak the truth on that. <laughs> but uh, quite frankly, one of the things I've noticed since I've been around the system is the people who scream the loudest seem to get, you know, people willing to, like, walk out, and people who are willing to fight for kitchens and things like this, they tend to get, to get stuff. Um, and... The work your department's doing is extremely crucial. Um, and it's valued by everyone, but if we're sort of paying attention to all the static and noise out there, then it can be forgotten. So I think we need your help. We need to collude yeah, and advocate for that. Yeah, I, th I think it would be helpful at the next audit meeting if we go over those four open items. And just you kind of give us an update on. Okay. Okay. Are you okay with that? Yeah, I yeah. think that's a good question. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't. I don't have any other remarks. Oh, I do have actually have one. <laughs> uh, we had changed uh, this month's meeting to three o'clock, right? And right. I, I'm uh, recommending. I'd like to get your feedback, uh, all of you. Is I'm recommending that we do that on our on an ongoing basis. So I know you should make eye contact with me. <laughs> I was yeah. making eye contact with you. Um, so I'll, I'll publicly shame myself and say um, and apologize uh, for being late today. Oh, that's fine. It works, yeah. uh, I think. Um, there's some scheduling communication challenges that occurred. I was, I was looking for Rana to ask her something, and I went to her office, and then I was like, oh, she may have gone to the room early. And I walk in, and I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> They're meeting right now. <laughs> so embarrassingly, uh, I uh, you know, apologize for her. Uh, oh, but right. I think it'll work well, and okay. particularly in the context of you know, what we had on the other side, which is yeah, 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 and I think, I think the finance meetings for the right reasons have gone for extended periods of time. So right. assuming you know, everybody's okay with this, Rhonda, we would like to make this a permanent change. Yeah. Okay. Appreciate okay. that. 
Okay. Let's just make sure we communicate it so it's on everybody's calendar. Yeah. But we'll take care of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was on the right people's calendar. handle that. Apparently, yes. <laughs> All good. All good. All the skills are supposed to have intuition. It's supposed to be okay. one of them. All right. So I would, I would like to go to that room. Something's <laughs> going on in here. I would like to note that we're we're ending 15 minutes early. Wow. Uh, well, 13 minutes early. That's impressive. <laughs> okay. Thank you.